we walk by faith or not by sight. See, we are not to be thrown off by our circumstances and our feelings about what's going on. That's what throws us off, our circumstances and our feelings. But God said we don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith. Because your feelings will cause you to be sad and sorrow and fearful. But your faith will cause you to have confidence that God is going to bring you out. Believers ought to live on the promises of God and on the Word of God. Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. The only hope we have is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The hope in Christ is eternal. You may be facing some tremendous challenges right now. Join us today as we share this message with you about hope. See, we got to say, come on, praise the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord. Come on, saints, praise the Lord. No, 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 no. He said, that's the time when you just go deep into the inside of you. You go back to your remembrance of what God has done for you and where he brought you out of and what God has done all the time for you. Somebody said, said it this way, he woke me up this morning. If I don't say nothing else, I said he woke me up this morning and I'm in my right mind. Glory to God. We're not talking about a song. We're talking about a deliberate declaration that is derived from our conscious understanding and appreciation of who he is and what he's done for us. Father, I thank you. Number one strategy of the enemy is to keep God off of your mind. Keep him off of your mind. You won't say anything. You won't talk to him. Even if you don't tell anybody else about the Lord, you ought to talk to the Lord about you and what you know about him. Lord, I know who you are. If you had to give a eulogy on the spot about God, what would you say about him? What could you say about him? If he said, okay, I want you to get up and give a eulogy for God, what would you say? Well, I don't know. No, 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 no. I'm talking to saved folks now. See, the unsaved folks may not have anything to say. Unsaved folks are still trying to figure out whether God exists. Unsaved folks are trying to figure out who he is. Which God is it? Is it this God over here? Is it what's in you? Is it what's in me? But saved folks know Peter said to them, now, if you don't know what you need to say about him, let me help you out. He said, number one, he is the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is he the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is our God and our Father. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father. Come on now, some people said, I didn't even know my father, but God now is your father. He is your father. He is your father. Jesus said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come. And then God put this seal of authenticity on Jesus when at the Jordan River, Jesus was baptized. The heavens opened and God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and Jesus affirmed it when he said God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever would believe on him should not perish but shall have everlasting life some folks don't want to believe that Jesus is the son of God but Peter said he is the father and the God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the second thing he says in his great mercy He's going to tell us what he do, but he said, before I tell you what he do, I'm going to tell you why he did it, because it was his great mercy. Mercy was the motive 
behind granting us eternal life. It was the motive behind it. It was his mercy. Mercy focuses on the sinner's miserable, pitiful condition. Sometimes we can see somebody in, in sad shape and they can't help themselves. And if we have compassion, it causes mercy to come and cause us to make a move. And it's the motive behind why we would do something. Some of us have mercy upon an animal. You see a stray animal looking sick, your heart just goes out to him. That happens because you done moved to the suburbs. In Fifth Ward, we didn't do that. We just said, that's a sick looking dog. I don't know where he going. But out here, you, you take him and try to get him and get him all built up. That's what mercy does. You're in a miserable condition. You can't do anything about it. And mercy comes and have a motive by compassion to do something about it. God saw us in our sin. We were in a sick sin condition. We couldn't do anything about it. And God did something about it. It was his mercy. All believers were once in that wretched all unbelievers were in that merciful, merciless, helpless condition. We couldn't do anything about it. Oh, the songwriter said, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. We needed God's mercy for a remedy to our sin, sick, incurable disease. We sing about amazing grace, and God's grace is amazing. And God poured out his grace on us as well. But mercy is not the same as grace. Mercy and grace are different. Mercy concerns the individual's miserable condition. While grace concerns with our guilt that caused the condition. God's mercy takes the sinner from misery to glory with a changed condition. He'll change your condition. And God's grace takes us from guilt to acquittal. He can change your condition and you're still guilty. But then his grace comes and said, now that after my mercy has taken you and changed your condition, my grace will say not guilty. So his grace and his mercy comes in our lives and he changes us. And God's great mercy God changed me. When he did, we did not deserve it. We could not change our condition. We could not afford it. We couldn't pay for it. It was the mercy of God that saw where we was and came and rescued us. Say, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Now, see, now that we done been saved so long, we look back and thank God ought to be glad we got saved. But you done forgot how messed up you were. You done forgot that you couldn't make it right. You done forgot all those times you woke up somewhere you ain't had no business. So all those times when you said, I'm going to do better, but you couldn't do better. All those times when you said, I'm going to quit this, but you couldn't quit it. All those times when the drugs and the alcohol and the lifestyle. See, y'all act y'all been saved so long, act like you've been saved all along. You know how messed up you were. Sleeping with folks you didn't even know their name. Smoking and choking and snorting and coking. Stealing and killing. Sliding and gliding. Out all night long. Can't hardly find your way home. Come on, I wasn't the only one. I know because I saw some of you. 
And then we get saved, we act like a, God ought to be glad I come to church. He ought to be glad I'm praising him. He ought to know. He said, you, I remember when you were just sin, sick, sorry, laying in your own vomit, and I got you up out of there. Somebody just said, well, I never was like that. I didn't go out. I didn't, I didn't do drugs. I didn't, uh, what, what was, what, yeah, but God said you were still in sin, and it still looked the same. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. Once a religious man came to Jesus at night named Nicodemus, and Jesus said to this religious man who went to church all of his life, he said, you need to be born again. So just going to church don't make you saved. He said, you need to be born again. We were born once physically. Because of that physical birth, we were born with an incurable disease called sin. Sin was programmed into our DNA. It could not be repaired. It could not be treated. We could not be trained to live righteous and holy. We had sin in us, and that's who we were. We were born in sin, the writer said, and we were shaped in iniquity. The Scripture says all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. We had to have a do-over and be born again of the Spirit. And only God working through the Holy Spirit can transform the sinful human heart. Listen, you can just play it if you want to. Say that, you know, I went to church. I went to church and I felt so good when I went. I heard the sermon. I felt so good. I'm, I'm walking with the Lord now. Now, you can't feel so good in walking with the Lord. You need to be born again. Amen. I see a whole lot of folk in church that say, I feel good. I'm turning over a new leaf. Being born again is not turning over a new leaf. You don't need a new leaf. You need a new heart. You don't need a new leaf. You don't need a new pathway. You need a new heart. You need a new spirit. The Spirit of God comes alive in you when the Spirit of God comes into you through a new birth. It's a new birth. And Peter says, God, through his great mercy, has given us a new birth. And if you've been born again, you ought to just say, thank you, Lord. I have a new birth. I have a new birth. I am not the same. Now, listen, if you think you've been saved and you got up after you think you've been saved and everything is the same, guess what? Nothing has changed. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. You are brand new. You are not the same. You may look the same, but you ain't the same because your talking, your walking, and your life has been renewed in Christ Jesus. You are not the same person. If your friends and people you know can't figure out that something's changed with you, you might want to go back again and try again because all the folk that you used to hang with will know that you are changed. They will say, you're a changed man. You ain't the same. You ain't the same. You don't have to leave your friends. People say, when you get saved, you got to leave your friends. No, you don't. You don't have to leave your friends. They're going to leave you. They don't want to hang around with you no more because you don't do what they do. We don't do that there no more. It's not exciting. It's not fun. You can't drink what you used to drink when you were hanging with them. When the Holy Ghost is full of, full of you, that 151 rum and Coke don't taste the same. It don't. When you go into the men's club, everybody look like monsters. Because the Holy Ghost will say, what you doing in here? What you doing in here? You'll be like, oh, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing in here. <laughs> so the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you saying, no, we don't do that. I'm not comfortable in here. Come on, that didn't happen to you. Peter said, we ain't the same. 
You have a new spirit on the inside of you, and you ought to have a new power on the inside of you to do things God's way and to walk in righteousness, to walk in holiness. You ought to have a new power to help you to walk right. Praise be unto the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy have given us a new birth. Somebody say a new birth. And then he said he gave us a living hope. I read this and say, okay, so a living hope. What's so exciting about that? It's not exciting enough until you are getting ready to get out of here. And you know what? You're getting ready to get out of here. You on the way out, you just don't get to plan the date. And then the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. Here's a living hope. I talked to a man I know last week before I left. He said, my mother passed away, Pastor. And I said, well, I'm calling you to, to just let you know that I heard about that. He says, well, I am so happy because she was so happy. She was 99 years old and a few weeks from being 100. And she said, I don't think I want to make it to 100. I can't wait to get home to the Lord. I can't wait to get home. That's a living hope. Because I know where I'm going and I know what's waiting for me. Peter said this to them. He has given us. Who's the us? There's a believers. A living hope. Unbelievers have a dying hope. Believers have a living hope. We're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. We're looking forward to a new body. We're looking forward to a new life. We're looking forward to an eternal life. Paul says to this, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And this hope was given to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When he got up, we got up with him. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the essential doctrine of the Christian faith. He came, he died for our sins, and he was raised again. That's the main thing of our Christian faith, that we believe that he rose again. And when he rose, we rose up with him. He conquered death so that we don't have to die again. See, there are those today who do not believe in Jesus Christ. They don't believe he's the son of God. They don't believe that he died for our sin. They do not believe he was raised from the dead. And there were those in the early church who began to now to question whether or not Jesus was even resurrected. Paul had to get them straight in the book of Corinth. And I want to just read this passage to you as I close out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12. But now if Christ, the Messiah, is preached as raised from the dead, how is it that some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not risen. And if Christ has not risen, then our preaching is in vain. Let, let's shut down if Christ hasn't risen. We don't need to have church. We don't need to say we believe. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, we're done. He said, it amounts to nothing, and your faith is devoid of truth, and it's fruitless without effect. It's empty, it's imaginary, and it's unfounded if Christ wasn't risen from the dead. For if, Christ are, if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is mere delusion. It's futile, it's fruitless, and you are still in your sin and under the control and penalty of sin. 
Verse 19 says, if we who are abiding in Christ have hope only in this life and that is all, then we are of all people most miserable and to be pitied. This is what he's saying. If the only thing you can hope for is what you get now, shame on you. Is this the best it's going to get for you? Is this it? Is this what you're hoping in in this life only? If you don't have hope in what Jesus Christ has done for you as an inheritance, just go on and jump off the cliff now because it ain't going to get no better. Verse 21 says, For since it was through a man that death came into the world, that's Adam, also through a man that the resurrection of the dead has come. For just as in Adam all people die, so shall all in Christ be made alive. Peter says to the church, listen, don't ever forget this. God has given us through his great mercy a new birth through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And lastly, he gave us an inheritance. We got something coming. Come on, see, we got something coming. This ain't it. We got something coming. We got something coming. The text tell us an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. What is an inheritance? It is wealth that is passed down or a legacy that one receives as a member of a family. We are the member of God's family. Peter reminded the church that while you're going through issues and circumstances in this life, don't forget about your inheritance in the eternal life. Don't forget about it. The inheritance is yours. There is indeed a blessing with your name on it. Come on, there's a blessing with your name on it. Say, there's a blessing. There's an inheritance. And it's kept for you. And he says, there's an inheritance for you with your name on it. When your name was written in the Lamb Book of Life, you were in. Your name had an inheritance attached to it. It is kept for you in heaven. It will never perish. He said, I want to tell you, it ain't going to never go away. It's never going to spoil. It's never going to fade. Peter says, it's kept in heaven for you. Here's what I want to leave with you today. You may be in a circumstance. If you're not in a circumstance right now, you'll be in some kind of a circumstance later that's going to call you to feel all kinds of ways about where you are and, where you're, and what's going on in your life. Here's what Peter is telling the church. There's persecution going, and there may be persecution continuing. God may not change your circumstance, but he can change how you feel about it. You need to change how you feel about it. And I, I, now I get its understanding to see why when Paul was threatened with execution, Paul said, you're going to kill me? I'm good with that. I can go on home early and be with the Father. I got an inheritance laid up for me. Go on. Here. Go on. Do what you're going to do. Get me out of here. They say, now he sounds like he's enjoying that too much. We're going to leave him here. He said, you're going to leave me here? Okay, well, great. I get a chance to preach the gospel some more and bring more people into the kingdom. I'm good with that. That's why Paul said, no matter whatever state I'm in, I'm content. No matter where I'm at, I'm good with it. No matter what's going on. He says, I've been through shipwrecks. I've been beaten. I've been thrown out. I've been persecuted. I've been put in jail. I'm good with that because I know where I'm going and I know what's laid up for me. Listen, not God's plan and purpose for you to walk around 
with a dark cloud of depression and oppression over your head every day because of what you're dealing with. Peter is trying to tell you no matter what you're dealing with, look at what God has already done. Look at who you are. Look at where you're going and look what's in hope. Look at what's in store for you. The worst thing ever can happen to you as a believer is you die and go to heaven. That's the worst thing can happen to you. So what's the problem? Get busy. Get on up. Rejoice. Sing every day a song of praise unto the Lord. Let God's joy fill your heart right in the middle of what you're going through. You'll find out that your life will get better. You'll find out you have more hope. You'll find out you have more joy. You'll find out you have more peace. Your circumstance may not change, but you are changed, and that's what all that counts. Because listen, some of you are doing better than you've ever done before in your life, and you're still not enjoying it. You're living better, you're eating better, you, your house is better, your car is better, your money is better than you've ever been, and you're still not enjoying yourself. That's what he's getting to the believers. Enjoy what God has done for you. The things on the earth are not going to make you happy. So you might as well just rejoice in the Lord and what God's purpose and plan for you. God has a purpose for each of us. He has a plan for each of us. And until we start fulfilling the purpose and the plan of God in our lives, we're going to be stuck out. We're going to be bent out of shape. We're going to be having all these other kind of issues where we're not enjoying ourselves. Nothing's going to be good enough. Nothing's going to satisfy us enough. We're going to have all the stuff we have and we do all the things that we're doing and we still feel like I'm missing out on something in life. You are. You're missing out on God's divine purpose in your life. Father, I thank you today for what you've already done for us. I thank you that through your great love and your great mercy for us, you've given us a new birth. You've given us an inheritance that's kept in store for us in heaven. Help us, almighty God, to recognize who you are. Help us to begin to eulogize you and to begin to give thanks and praise and glory and honor. Help us every day, Father, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us, God, to rejoice in you. Rejoice in who you are and what you've already done. Fill our hearts and fill our lives with the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Almighty God, to burst forth in the middle of our trials, in the middle of our circumstance, in the middle of our sickness, in the middle of our tragedy. Help us, Almighty God. I pray for every person in this place. Some are hurting. Some are struggling. But help us to break forth, God, and begin to rejoice in you and what you've already done for us. Help us to take these words. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for being risen from the grave, Father, that you would bring us up with you. And we praise you now in the name of Jesus Christ. I certainly hope that you've enjoyed today's broadcast as we have looked at living like Christ in a chaotic culture and having the hope that's eternal in Christ so that we're not looking only at what's going on with us now, but what Christ has in store for us. I want you to be encouraged today because our hope is in Christ Jesus. If you would like to hear today's message again, you can go to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can listen to today's message or previous messages that have aired on this station. Let me take just a moment to invite you to be our guest at The Light of the World. We meet each Sunday in person 
at 16161 Old Humble Road in North Houston. If you're in Humble, Kingwood, Summerwood, Fall Creek, Northeast Houston, you're in our neighborhood. So come and be our guest. If you're going through some tremendous challenges in your life right now, call us for prayer at 281-964-1393. That's 281-964-1393. You can also visit us online at lowcf.org. lowcf.org. We are excited about having the Beacon Bookstore right here on our campus. People have been coming from all over the city to get Bibles, communion supplies, offering envelopes, books, and study material. So call the Beacon, 281-441-2885. Again, that's 281-441-2885. If the Beacon doesn't have it, we can order it for you. This is Jerry G. Martin saying, May the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.